Welcome back to The Good Play, a podcast about NBC's The Good Place. My name is Brianna, and with me on the line, it's not a joke, she's a legit snack. It's my sister Marissa. <laughs> I'm not deflecting, I am a legit snack. <laughs> I know how you like to cover these moments with humor. We got a lot, we got, folks, this is a wrap on season three, and I really don't know how to feel about it, so. Oh boy, okay, we got a lot to talk about, huh? I think we do. But first, some housekeeping. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, and at goodplay.cast.rocks. Please rate and review us on iTunes. I think now that season three is over, maybe we'll sort of dip back down in terms of (laughs) listenership for a while. But, you know. Just a handful of people just checking in, like, do they still sound exactly the same as each other? Yep, they still do. Okay, I'll see them in September. (laughs) But you can follow and like us on Facebook. We have a group called The The Good Play, where everybody was posting just gifts of sobbing. It's just sobbing gifts after. On Thursday. Yes. Twitter at the good play pod Marissa does the live tweeting for each new episode uh, uh, thank have- you to whoever the fan was who went back and liked like my last 30 tweets that was Aww. nice of you <laughs> potato potato biker is that was that the handle something like sure. that sure gmail you can send us an email the good play pod at gmail.com do we have any emails this week let me check yes Trifton, gotta... Trifton, Trifton emailed us. Okay, and I have a text from friend of ours and friend of the show that I put in the notes. So okay, I didn't read the notes. I never read the notes. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> fine. <laughs> you work really hard on them, and I just read them as I go. <laughs> um, you know, this was a tough one to have to, because I watched it li- I don't usually watch the episodes live because I don't have cable. Um, but I got to watch this episode live this week, and then this was real a real tough one to have to go back and do notes for because I like knew what was coming, and I was just like, oh, I don't think I could do this again. But mm, let's. Yeah. Uh, do you want to get into the recap for Pandemonium? Yes, indeed. So, if you remember where we left off at the end of the last episode, Michael was in the middle of having a panic attack while the first real new resident was sitting in the waiting room, John. Because Sean had just taunted Michael saying, you know, when you fail, we're going to torture your four beloved humans forever. And we're going to do it while we wear a Michael suit. And we will erase their memories if you try to tell them that that's what's going to happen. So that's great. (laughs) So Michael is having a panic attack. And Eleanor is in there trying to give him a pep talk. And then Eleanor kind of gives it up as a bad job and just goes out and says, hi, John. I'm Eleanor, the architect. Come on in. Which she does was a great job. She does. And it was like, oh, I should have seen this coming. <laughs> right? Like, of course. You know, she's yeah. like a she's a grifter. Like this is this is who she is. Yeah. So she tells John that he's dead, but he's in the good place. And she's like, oh, it's just because of all this, that stuff you did. And she's like trying to look through his notes and his notes are written in like alien gobbledygook characters. Yeah. Like the glyphs that would come out, you know, if you like change to the wrong font in Microsoft Word. (laughs) Is there a bunch of wingdings? It's worse than wingdings, I would say. So, and, but he, like, he just seems to accept it. So that's good. And she says, you know, this is my assistant, Michael. And Michael doesn't say anything. And she's like, yeah, he just transferred over from dog heaven. So he's (laughs) still getting used to humans. She she does a far better job covering than I ever would. I'll tell you that. Well, again, Eleanor is like grifter number one, right? That is true. (laughs) She is the best grifter. So Eleanor and Michael are showing John around the neighborhood and he's asking all these questions and asks her if she's an angel and she finally fobs John off on Janet. So she, you know, she calls Janet. She's like, Janet, I was, you know, I was just showing John around because I, Eleanor, am the architect. And Janet's like, yes. <laughs> she does. She's like, that is definitely information I had before this. Yeah. Right. <laughs> And John's like, wow, Janet knows everything. She should be running the neighborhood. And Eleanor's like, yeah, in retrospect, that does seem like a good idea. (laughs) So Janet gets John out of the way by taking him for Froyo, which I'm so amused that they went back to Froyo. (laughs) 
It is the most mediocre dessert, I think. I mean, do they... I guess we should save this for discussion, but do they want them to figure out that it's not really the good place? Is that part of the plan? I have a lot of questions about (laughs) what this experiment is supposed to be, so maybe we should save that for discussion. Yeah, let's save it. So Eleanor goes and finds Chidi and Jason, who's back in the Jianyu robe, so maybe I should call him Jianyu. (laughs) Finds Chidi and Jianyu and Tahani, and she's like, look, I'm the new architect now because, like, Michael freaked out and couldn't handle it. And Jason's like, okay, you know, you're you're going to be good at this. And um, uh, he, he doesn't have much to do in this episode, but every single line he had made me laugh. He goes, you can do this. You're like the Blake Bortles of whatever's going on right now. Yes. <laughs> so hard. I'm hoping that his, that they're, he's not supposed to talk again this time, right? Like, he's, he's going to blow it for sure. Yeah. Well, that's what she tells him later. She's like, don't do anything or yes. say anything to anybody. He's like, I won't let you down. Yes. And Eleanor's like, Michael, you going to like step up and, you know, take over being architect again? And he just starts crying. Seeing, he's like, look at the four of you together. And you're just like handling this. And you're just like, what? And Eleanor's like, okay, like that's, that's a no. And so <laughs> Eleanor's like, Chidi, get Janet to translate john's file so that i can read it and jason don't do anything and tahani get ready for the welcome party and tahani starts asking about like napkin folding and she finally realizes (laughs) in the middle of her question how little it matters and kind of just lets it go thank god she's got a lot of good um self-awareness in this episode yes she does god bless tahani she's really grown a lot yeah Probably coming to that detente with her sister was like the 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 main thing that kind of moved her forward with her yeah. psychological life. Yeah. So Chidi kind of sits down with John's stuff, and he gets like, "What?" Well, he's like, "This is overwhelming. This this one box is just a trip to Wendy's." And then you have a note in here about how it's your life, Brianna. <laughs> this is actually my life. This one trip to Wendy's takes up an entire box. <laughs> we used to go to Wendy's when we were kids. It was like the only fast food place that we ever went to because I was a self-selected vegetarian from an incredibly young age. And Wendy's had that like bar of bar. things. Yes, well, wasn't there was no salad. <laughs> don't 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 fool yourself. There was nothing green. <laughs> in that bar but it was like a self-serve bar where i could get a bowl of noodles and then later a bowl of pudding (laughs) i do remember the pudding (laughs) but i also spent many 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 afternoons of my misbegotten youth there with a a bunch of (laughs) ding-dong friends of mine um which you were not around for you were you were too old for that ish you were like i have you know Standards. I have marching band to go to, <laughs> Brianna. Um, but I, I have model UN. <laughs> Excuse you very much. I spent, I spent many, many afternoons of my life at, at Wendy's with people who pre- were like sort of the equivalent of, some of them were the equivalent of like the Jason Mendoza. Of, <laughs> uh, Brianna, who's going to read these books for the literary Olympiad? Is it going to be you, Brianna? <laughs> Definitely not. I don't think so. Oh my god, my life. Anyway. <laughs> so, Chidi and Eleanor have this really adorable flirtation that um in retrospect kind of rips your heart out. So that's great. <laughs> yeah, we'll get there. <laughs> About how, you know, he's Chidi's like, "Oh, it's kind of like I'm secretly dating my boss." And she gives him a little kiss and he's like, oh, "What if John had seen? Oh, I'm scared. Wait, I'm also horny." And then Eleanor's like, "Horny? Scared horny is the best way to be horny. Like, who's the master now?" And I was like, oh, "This is accurate." Oh. Yeah. So, John the new resident introduces himself to Tahani. I th- think from the way he is styled and acted we are meant to understand that he is an american gay man does that sound accurate to you yes that does sound accurate to me so he is supposed to be basically um what's his name the guy who runs tmz yeah but who is it oh um uh, perez hilton perez hilton right he's basically supposed to be perez hilton because he ran this gossip blog called The Gossip Toilet. <laughs> and Tani was like, oh, you were extremely mean to me. And 
And John's like, no, I mean, we were, I wasn't mean. We were speaking truth to power, which is like, uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, Tahani wasn't really power, but okay. So Tahani runs to the architect's office, you know, where Eleanor and Michael are to say like, the bad place did not send us like serial killers. They send us people who were handpicked to torture us humans. And Eleanor's like, oh God, no. And she runs out to the waiting room and who's there but Simone. I was like, what? No. no. Yeah. I'm, a hard, I'm a hard no on me this. Me too. <laughs> All right, that gutted me. I was gutted. It's it's profoundly not okay. Yeah. <laughs> this, the Good Place, the television show, not the place. The Good Place exists in a world where healthy, beautiful people are forever being struck down in horrible accidents. And it's like, that's not actually the world we live in, right? Like... Life expectancy, as far as I know, is still in 70s or 80s. It's certainly (laughs) trending upward. (laughs) Well, not in America because of the opioid crisis. But she's Australian, dang it. (laughs) Like, what happened? Was she... Oh, it's Australia. Do you think she went out to the outback and got bitten by something poisonous? I did meet someone from Australia recently. And I was like... Okay, I've never been to Australia, but I've heard, basically heard that every animal you have there is trying to murder you. And she's like, that's not true. And I was like, what about this animal? She goes, oh, we do have that. And I was like, yes. what about this one? And she's like, oh, we definitely have that. And I was like, yeah, okay, so. Even no a thanks. kangaroo, if it's sufficiently big and you piss it off, will mess It'll you just up. kick you to death. Yeah. Uh-huh. It will. I mean, I've been really close to kangaroos. I've been, I spent some very little time in Australia, but a little bit of time in Australia. And I got up pretty close to some kangaroos. And basically, if they kind of give you a look like you should shove off now, then you can kind of just walk away and everything's cool. But maybe if it's like mating season or something, you can't. <laughs> so maybe Simone got kicked to death. We by need a like a web series exclusive about like. All I don't want to see Simone die. No, I, no. I mean, I have a lot of questions about her apparently just so happened to have died at this exact moment situation. Right. I mean, exact moment is an interesting phrase given the Jeremy Barraminess of it all. Yeah. I mean, but we can continue. So, no. Yeah, I agree. (laughs) So, the Soul Squad is on this, like, video conference call with Jen and Sean, and they're like, this is against the rules. And Sean's like, guess what? It's not against the rules because you didn't think to put this in the rules. And Michael's like, yeah, but Simone's going to remember all of them. So it's going to completely mess up the experiment. And Jen's like, okay, so technically there was no rule preventing this. Ugh. I know. Right. I have a lot of, yeah. <laughs> so she can stay, but Michael, you can wipe her memory up through like right before her meeting the Soul Squad, which I guess is going to erase the last what like year of her life or two Uh, years of her life i mean that's like a lot right potentially it's a lot and also it will erase this like whole study that she did yes i mean i'm not sure that that's relevant but yeah i mean it's more like you might i don't know let's say she's 35 or something a lot could potentially happen from ages 33 to 35 (laughs) like yeah it's not it's like in men in black when he says the woman's a doctor she don't she doesn't need you flashing away half her med school classes good men in black reference (laughs) thank you thank you will smith i'm really excited for men in black international because it does look great tessa thompson in that outfit i was like oh hello what is this (laughs) and what's his face one of the hemsworths the hemsworths larry hemsworth's Hemsworth's brother (laughs) so eleanor's like okay we can do this it's okay we can recover from this. It's going to be okay. Like, let's not let them, you know, completely trip us out. And Chidi is like, oh, this is like a really, really, really bad thing for me. Yeah, too late. I am tripped out. So we see Tahani in like the town square talking to Janet being like, okay, how savage of a burn is it if I if I call his shirt a <laughs> Mark Fakeubs? Yeah. And Janet says, well, in your social circle, that's like a pretty galling insult but also there's like a 30 percent chance that he just responds oh honey and it's going to be so devastating that you're going to remember it for the rest of eternity and tahani is like i'll take those odds and she goes up about to like use the the pretty bad burn yeah but then she says wait this is what the bad place wants me to do and i have grown and i am going to 
like be the bigger person that I have learned to be. And she goes over to John and says, like, you know, obviously we had this sort of weird pre-existing relationship or something, but you know, we're in the same neighborhood now in the afterlife. And I hope that we can like be friends and get along and all that. And he kind of has, he has a very weird reaction where it's like, shut up. You are the cutest thing. Oh my God. You make me vomit. I love you so much. Go away forever. No, I love you. (laughs) It's very, it's very, um, how do I put this? (laughs) It's very stereotypical gay overreaction. Kind of question mark? Question. Yeah. I don't. I don't. I'm trying not to be offensive here, but it's like, you know, it, it's it's like a very Will and Grace kind yeah. of version of a yeah. gay man. It's a little weird. But on the other hand, if they're doing a Perez Hilton burn, then like that actually is probably pretty accurate. Yeah, Perez yeah. Hilton kind of is that way. Yeah. So just very dramatic. He's he yes. seems like a very dramatic guy. So. Eleanor is showing Simone around the neighborhood. You know, Simone obviously doesn't remember any of them now. Oh, wait. And and Jason, before she wakes up and they're calling <laughs> oh, on yeah. the... Yeah. They're, they're, when they're talking to Sean and... They're and all Dungeon, yelling. They're all yelling. And, he and you know, Simone hasn't woken up yet, so she's just sitting on the couch. And Jason goes, and how are we supposed to teach her anything if she's not even awake? And he's kind of like... <laughs> Like, you know, puts his Hello, hand in front of her face. Yeah. He's like, what are we supposed to do with this? <laughs> Manny has seen him just doing the most with, like, the very little he has given in this episode. Yes. So, okay, Eleanor's showing Simone around the neighborhood. And she says, you know, you are a neuroscientist. Are you surprised there's an afterlife? And Simone's like, yeah, I'm not convinced that this isn't sort of my brain... My, my synapse is sort of frantically firing in the last moments before my, like, brain death. But, like, hey, I got this yogurt that's half strawberry and half a male co-worker getting called out for stealing your ideas. And Eleanor's like, those flavors go really well together. And I was watching that and I was like, oh, that's, that would be Marissa's favorite combination. <laughs> you love strawberry. I do. Thankfully, I do not get a lot of male co-workers stealing my ideas because They're they all scare me. You. Yeah, they all fear me. That is my... <laughs> That is what I aim for and mostly what I hit. <laughs> so Eleanor's like, hey, yeah, you know, uh, look, there's a lot to sort of take in. So maybe don't try to, like, meet any other residents for the first, like, 6,000 years or so. Okay, bye. <laughs> so Eleanor and Michael are, like, talking it over in his office. Or I guess now it's her office. <laughs> and they're like, okay, this is going to be okay. Like, we're going to roll with this. And Chidi's like... I'm not going to be okay. I need you to erase my memory and reboot me. And Eleanor's like, look, everybody has to run into their ex. So, like, just suck it up. And Chidi's like, yeah, no, because if I mess up because I'm super nervous and I remember, you know, our relationship and I'm thinking about that and I'm not as an effective a teacher of ethics as I might otherwise be, then, like, I'm damning all of humanity to eternal torture for all time. Yeah, okay. I, I Again, I'm going to put a pin in this, but why is he their ethics teacher? Like, why are the four original humans even in this place in the first place? Why? I mean, look, the real answer is, like, narrative convenience, right? Yes, I know. I know. Anyway. I, that's, I mean, I kept coming back to, like, well, what else are they going to do, right? Like, I don't know. any Literally anything else? I don't know. Anyway. And so Eleanor's like, okay, fine. Michael, just like pluck Simone out of Chidi's memory. And Michael's like, yeah, no, it does not work like that. Like, I can erase up to the point, you know, before they met. But then that's going to erase everything after, which is, you know, all of the adventures we've had over the last season, basically, right? Which includes this most recent iteration of Eleanor and Chidi falling in love for the 800th time or whatever. But this is the time that it stuck the most, I guess you could argue. And Eleanor's like, okay. So she explains to everybody, Chidi's going to be rebooted so that his memory basically stops at the time that he, like, died in the original timeline, which was when the air conditioner fell on his head. (laughs) In a horrible, yeah, horrible, horrible accident. And Jason's like, but are you going to remember that time that you and I, like, ordered 
no, wait, wait, wait. He says, are you, are you going to remember that time that you and I ate pizza, you know, what, late one night after study group? And she's like, no, buddy, I won't. And Jason's like, are you going to remember when we called to order the pizza? And she's like, no, buddy, I'm not. And Jason's like, are you going to remember pizza? And Chidi's like, the concept of pizza? Like, yeah, I'm going to remember the concept of pizza. And Jason's like, phew, okay. Not a total loss. <laughs> yes. <laughs> And Michael is, like, flailing, like, no, there has to be something else we can do. Like, let's have a sitcom brainstorm session where we throw pencils in the ceiling and then one of you says something innocuous and I go, wait a minute, I've got it. And Eleanor is like, no, this is a very human thing that we are going through right now, which is that your friends are going through something awful and there's nothing you can do about it. And you just need to be there to support them. So Chidi and Eleanor go to the town square and it's nighttime now and they're kind of just sitting in those chairs that we remember from see that turned up a bunch in season one and a little yeah. bit in season two sort of where all the residents gather and see audiovisual presentations <laughs> from the architect. So Chidi and Eleanor are kind of sitting there just just sitting next to each other and kind of just being sad. Yeah. <laughs> it's, they're just being sad. And kind of getting ready to say goodbye and Michael comes in and says you know I just have a going away present for you and he has compiled I mean I guess I don't really understand this I, I get maybe he maybe he called it from Janet maybe uh, or but, he but, was he did record them right the record there didn't he yeah I guess he did oh, I was never clear on any of this stuff and it it, it contradicts some other stuff but let's just Let's leave that because it's like the least, like Tahani's napkin folding. It's the least important thing. <laughs> so it's like a little montage. There's no, there's no dialogue. It's just a montage of their relationships. You know, all the times they've, well, not all the times that'd be hundreds, but just selected like times that they've met and studied and their first kisses, which is a weird phrase to say. And there's this one really sweet one where they're like out rowing on the lake, which they talked about, I think, in the first timeline. Yeah. Remember? Or he actually, she, she, she got him out on the lake by himself, I think, because he yeah. needed some time away from her. But this is what the two of them together, like, I think she's reading and he's reading, like, sorry, she's rowing and he's reading French poetry or something. And then yeah. there, the there's, last. There's one we see. I don't think we ever saw this in an episode. I didn't remember it, but. They're at, she's waiting at a, the train station, I guess, to go to Mindy's without him. And then he mm. kind of comes with a, a bag and the two of them kiss. So it's like they've. It was very, so, yeah. it was very romantic and sweet and dramatic. Yeah. 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 And it ends with they're having a picnic and then it starts to rain and they kind of make like they're going to kind of run away from the rain. But then it just is like too, too much too fast. So then they just kind of dance in it together and it's sort of sweet and poignant and melancholy yeah so after that's over they're kind of holding each other and crying and he says you know i'll miss you and she says like no you're not like that's that's the thing right you're not gonna miss me and he says look i'm not scared to be rebooted because i know that you're gonna take care of me and eleanor says i just wish we had more time and chidi says time means nothing Jeremy bear me baby let's just get through this and you and I can chill out on the dot of the eye forever which is just like <laughs> I know I <was> like, <laughs> why <laughs> why is this happening <laughs> why uh, so Michael kind of gestures like I'm ready for this and they kiss goodbye and then we just cut to Eleanor in the architect's office just she calls Janet and she's like, "Okay, Janet, what's the answer? Like, you know everything, so just tell me what the answer is because otherwise, it's just all this pain for nothing. Yeah. So, what is the answer?" And Janet says, "If I did have an answer, it wouldn't be satisfying. And also, I don't have an answer, and nothing makes sense. So, when you find somebody who does make sense, you know, it's just beauty in the pandemonium." And Eleanor's like, "Oh, pandemonium." I remember that. That's from uh, Paradise, Paradise Lost. Lost. It means the place of all demons. And Chidi got me to... He, Chidi tricked me into reading Paradise Lost and telling me Satan was her type. Very on brand for you. <laughs> Which is funny. I, I don't want to make this a topic of discussion per se, but I will say that he kind of is in Paradise Lost, right? He's sort of this like tragic figure 
who says that it's better to rule in hell than serve in heaven and kind of rebels in almost a noble way. He's It's a very interesting portrait of the adversary. And, you know, and Janet sort of gives her her own support. And Eleanor's like, okay, I'm ready. And then she walks into the waiting room and there's Chidi just looking all sort of bright and chipper and not knowing who anybody is. And she's like, Chidi, I'm Eleanor. Come on inside. And that is the end of the season. So now I we just will have... remember you. <laughs> do, 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 do. I don't even know what song that is, but I can sing it. Remember. It's Sarah McLaughlin. Oh, sorry. Anyway, start the discussion, baby. Jeremy uh, Bear me, baby. Uh-huh. So, like, I was very emotional watching this at the time. During the montage, I literally, I watched this with Kate. Shouts to Kate. And I, like, <laughs> lo- literally, like, looked over at her and I was like, are they trying to kill me? Like, so I was very emotional while I was watching it. And then the next morning, like, the first thing I thought of when I woke up was like, wait a second, all this stuff doesn't make sense. And then I saw that Roger Stone got indicted and I was like, wait, bigger things. But, um... <laughs> It's like furloughed FBI agents are breaking down your door. Um, Sorry, that little bit of like real world. Uh, I was just really excited about it. Um, But okay, I have a lot of questions and a lot of things that like I think from an emotional perspective, you know, we were, I was at least, you know, I listened to last week's episode and, you know, it's sort of funny because I was like, well, you know, like, I'm worried that if if Chidi and Eleanor just have a normal existence, they're going to get on each other's nerves. And then, of course, like, <laughs> I should have forking known that something like this was going to happen. But like, OK, I have some fundamental issues. All right, just get into it. You've been you've been what? rubbing your engine for the last five minutes. Come on. I, for Hit three days. Why did Jen <laughs> allow Simone in the first place? Why? Like, you know, she was so blasé about it. She, I mean, and I know, I know that the answer is, it's just narrative convenience. But, like, she, because the real issue is, look, the person they picked for Tahani was a random gossip columnist. But if you were, but, like, Simone and Chidi were not, like, were were more intricately connected. And so Michael or any of them could have argued and said, Look, you know, what happens if, like, Eleanor's old boss dies or, you know, what's his name from the dance crew? Or her mom, right? Or, like, her mom's new boyfriend. Or, you know, what about for... Because we didn't meet Eleanor and Jason's, like, counterparts. Like, what happens if Snowboy dies? Effectively, at this point, I think that Chidi is Eleanor's torture. So I don't know that the bad place is really going to make so much of an effort to bring someone in just to annoy her. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, too. But, like, but my, my point is that, like, by saying that, by allowing somebody who has a connection to the original four in like okay there are some people like john where like it's kind of innocuous and you can be like oh i've grown and like i think that was supposed to be a red herring like okay it's all gonna be like this but but you know simone and she didn't didn't have a tangential relationship they were partners for like a year and to me it just doesn't that's not i mean i know they're the bad place and i know that sean is trying to win but that also doesn't Like, that's, if I were Jen, I would say, like, this is not a clean experiment. I mean, and it's also not a clean experiment to have the original four in the neighborhood to begin with and to have Chidi teaching them ethics lessons when the whole point of him initially being the ethics professor was that it was supposed to be his torture because he was, you know, he was teaching somebody who didn't want to learn. So it just all seems pretty muddled to me when I think about it and I'm not as emotionally invested in the moment. Uh, so a couple things, I guess. It seems like probably Michael got Jen to accept the original humans in the new neighborhood as kind of a, you know, both sides wanted things and this is one of the things that he got. And like, does it mess it up as an experiment? Sure, but Jen's not a scientist, right? Like, <laughs> but, uh, but she's also, I mean... Uh, she barely know. knew what life on earth was like until she went and visited it in the last episode. Like, I just don't think that she actually has, she's supposed to be 
she's supposed to be very wise, but she doesn't seem to actually have much experience or knowledge, weirdly. So you're basically thinking that she doesn't quite get what human relationships are about, so she doesn't understand no, the that's gravity not, of something like this? No, that's not my argument. My argument is she doesn't really understand the scientific method. <laughs> okay, that's not a real... She's omniscient, okay? Like, there's... It, but she's not. She's not. She She's not. We, okay, we know this. But you can Wikipedia the scientific method and figure it out. You don't have, you don't have to be like, well, I, I guess just don't think there's you know, no way to ever look it up or talk to anybody who knows anything about it. That's but ridiculous. you're 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 coming at it from a very particular mindset of like a an educated person in 2019, like an educated human in 2019 who went to, you know, college but never grad school much to the chagrin of our mother. Yes. We're her undereducated daughters. Yes. <laughs> Poor mom. She would love Simone. She would. She absolutely would. Simone's also way prettier than we are. That's, so that mom is would true. Be, mom would be very into that. You know, for Jen, this is just a very different. I mean, like, look, maybe I'm the covering. The fate of all. Wait the, a I, second. Ah. Maybe I'm like covering, making excuses for shoddy writing, and I'm I'm perfectly happy to kind of take that on the chin if that's if that's true. But like, you know. I think when when they say, like, we want to have an experiment where we do whatever, I don't think Jen's mind is jumping to the scientific method and, like, the, you know, and and keeping this experiment clean or whatever. She's basically just like, well, they have a point, but they also have a point. So, like, let's kind of reach some middle ground and see what we find out. Like, she's not thinking of Newton or whatever. Okay, take the scientific method out of it for a second, because... I hate taking the scientific <laughs> method out of things, Brianna. <laughs> I got a C in chemistry class. So did you? Uh, oh heck yes! What? What tenth grade chemistry? Yes, I didn't really. I didn't take science past eleventh grade. So oh. yeah, I know okay. how we related. Yeah, um, <laughs> with okay. take okay, but take. <laughs> Was it the factor label method? Is that what you had trouble with? I don't with? even remember. Okay, <laughs> take the scientific method out of it for a hot second. Okay. The, it, this is not, like, maybe Jen is just sort of, like, going through this in, like, a blasé fashion or whatever. But, like, the fate of humanity is riding on this. And, like, Chidi is sort of the only one who, at the beginning, seems to be, like, taking that, you know, into consideration. And that's why he's willing to have his mind wiped. But, you know, if you're to think about it, like, if I were Jen, I would say, like... Well, if they have a pre-existing relationship, then, you know, it's not so much about the scientific method, but it is about, like, whether or not that's, like, whether or not, you know, that would influence the outcome of this. And maybe she doesn't, maybe she straight up doesn't care. And I am putting more, I'm trying to put emotion. I don't think it's that she doesn't, I don't think it's that she doesn't care. I think it's that the good place and the bad place, well... No, the good place isn't involved with this at all. Right. Um, Michael and the bad place came to a, what seems like fairly complex, detailed set of agreements about how this was going to happen. Probably like papers were signed or whatever. Right. And technically it's not against the rules. So if she decides to enforce something that's not actually a rule, like what does the bad place then do, right? They say, oh, you're going to enforce... This rule that's not in the rules, fine, then we don't want the original four humans in this new neighborhood. And like, no, that's not a rule, but it's going to taint the experiment. So get them out of there. Right. Right. Like if you, you know, she's basically being a rules lawyer because that's the only thing that she can do at this juncture without like reopening the whole thing for litigation. I guess it's just uh, our friend Amy texted me. The next day. I like that she texted you, not me, the one who was her senior year roommate in college, but you. Maybe maybe because... Just because you both live in Brooklyn, that makes you special now. (laughs) She said, Simone, quote, appears to have been straight up murdered for this experiment. I am very suspicious of that, yes. Well, that's what I mean. Like, can we get a ruling on, like, can we look at, you know, because he's like, you want to know how she died? Like, it was hilarious. It's like... Can we get a ruling on her and maybe put her on ice for a second until we figure out whether or not she was actually straight up murder for this experiment, which Amy says, 
Which certainly would not have passed the institu- institutional review board. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> Highly unsound methodology. Uh, yeah, I mean, you would think that Janet, with her Janet powers, would know if she had been murdered by a bad place agent, right? Like, if if Janet is basically omniscient about everything that's ever happened on Earth, then she, sh- she should be able to tell if she was, like, pushed in front of a train or something by s- someone who was obviously a demon. Like, well, it seems like an answerable question, for sure. Yeah, but it doesn't, I mean, with the whole, like, Jeremy Baramy of it all, like you know there it could have been something where somebody goes into sneaks into one timeline and like loosens a screw on a beam uh-huh. or whatever and then like 3 years later she happens to be walking under it and that's what gets her you know what i mean like that's a good point it's going to be hard to prove right yeah. it's not a situation where you could potentially be like oh that guy pushed her in front of a train or like a a, at a bad place employee inhabited a koala and kicked her in the face or a kangaroo <laughs> now i don't in the think face. look koalas don't kill you now they kill you later because koalas are reservoirs of syphilis <laughs> <laughs> but i just i feel like the whole thing with simone is is fishy it's a hundred percent fishy So, but I just was annoyed that Jen kind of, like, hand-waved it away, but I guess that's the whole point, is that we weren't meant to spend time on, we were meant to spend time on, like, what to do now that Simone is kind of, like, in on everything, and, you know, another option could have been, like, why does she have to teach I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, what? It's chlamydia. (laughs) I didn't want to get any emails about it. It's chlamydia. (laughs) Nobody sends us emails about normal things that we talk about. (laughs) You're like a koala scientist. Like, excuse me, mate. Oh, the worst um, Australian accent. I'm, not, I'm like uh, Ted Danson. I can't do an Australian accent. Also, like, why does Chidi have to be the one to teach them ethics? If he really has a problem and he can't be in the same neighborhood as Simone, you know, Michael knows everything in the universe. He could be the ethics instructor, and Chidi could just go hang out in the medium place and, like meet up with Eleanor whenever he wanted. Why does he have to be the one to teach them? Mm, I, I contend that Michael actually would not be a very effective or teacher Janet, of ethics. Or literally anybody else who's like, come on. But you know what I mean, though? Like, I actually, I, I don't know. I disagree. I don't think anybody can teach ethics the way that Chidi can. Um, well, he's not going to be any good use to them now. So what's the point? What do you mean? Guess, he, they didn't he's... wipe away all his ethics professorship. I, I guess so, but what does he... Does he think he's coming in as an ethics professor? No, he thinks he's a resident. But it's going to be the same... Somebody is going to be like this, you know, I'm actually not a good... Pro- I mean, that's what we're meant to believe, is that somebody's going to crack under the strain and tell Cheaty that they... But, you know, is anybody being told that they are actually being mistaken for another person or something. That's what's well, we, not clear, that's what, right? Yeah, that's what we don't know. And we talked about this last week because I said, like, they're not supposed to torture each other in this version. They're just supposed to see whether or not in a post-scarcity environment, whether or not they actually get better. Like, I, you know, John would have been, I think, a good candidate for somebody to, you know, oh, you don't actually belong here because he was a gossip colonist, for God's sakes. But he seems to be perfectly happy being like, oh, I'm We've in the just been place. sued by great. the estate of Perez Hilton, just yeah. FYI. <laughs> like, you know, he seems perfectly at ease with the fact that he got into the good place. He doesn't have any, he, he probably thinks he deserves it. He doesn't have any qualms about it. We don't know who they're bringing in. I think you're right about Eleanor's torture being cheaty. Yeah. We don't know who's coming. <laughs> we don't know who's coming in for Jason, but quite frankly, like, I, I like, I don't think that person is gonna, if it, if they're anywhere it's gonna be Blake Bortles that's what I mean like if it's oh my god Blake Bortles please do a guest spot please please so I had I put I put this on the Twitter but I did dream that night Thursday night the night after the episode I dreamed that the person that they brought in to torture Jason was Pikachu (laughs) the Pikachu had died I saw that and just the torture was just that Pikachu had died. Like, you know. uh, okay, Pika, my Pika, last... Pika. <laughs> my last thing about this, my last question that I will have, because I have a, still a lot of trouble with all of this, and so, you know, 
Just humor me. We don't actually see Michael erase Chidi's memory. Do you think it actually happened? Or do you think that there is some, like, weird nonsense going on? That he, like, took his memories and put them in a box on, and then put the box at top of a Who closet? Who knows? <laughs> I'm just saying that, like, Michael was really but resistant to we've never to seen anybody have their memories. Or, he just snaps, I guess. That's what we've seen. But he said, it'll take me a few hours to figure out how to do this correctly. That's not... That was obviously a misdirect, Brianna. He was spending that time making that montage. Or who knows? I mean, we, we, I'm just saying it's not... We've seen other people get rebooted. We've seen him snap before and wake somebody up. And, you know, like, we've seen that before. I, I think that it's telling... And maybe I'm being a conspiracy theorist, but I think that it's telling <laughs> Just them imagining that, that red string. <laughs> yeah, that cord <laughs> Charlie board Day. gif, yeah. Um, but I think that it's telling <laughs> well, You'll them see over here. <laughs> we didn't see anything like that. We didn't say, we didn't see him say, you know, arguably we could have had a goodbye scene between Michael and Chidi where Michael says goodbye to him too. Kind of again, like at the end of Men in Black, where Kay says "see you around," and he goes, "No, you won't." And then he flashy things him, right? Like it's a it's a real great day for Men in Black references. <laughs> <laughs> also, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, but we've talked about that on the show before too. And then he could have snapped, and that could have been you know what wakes him up. But we don't see that. We see. I mean, yeah, it could have been a time issue. I, I mean, look, if it turns out he actually carved out a piece of Chidi's memories to keep them safe. Good, I guess. Great. I I don't believe that Chidi is now like pretending cuz he's not that's not his character at all. But we don't see would... him say anything. What does he have to pretend about at the moment? No, okay. But he was it just doesn't make any sense to me that he would make a whole big deal about like I have to I have to have my memory wiped and then be like wink wink I don't have to have my memory wiped like it's not, it's not for the benefit of everybody else it's for the benefit well, of I himself I don't think Chidi's lying I think you know maybe you know Michael came up with something okay I'm <laughs> I'm gonna transition to something slightly more positive you're like shut slightly up. but still sad no I just I I'm I'm done nitpicking like yeah there's nits to pick okay. <laughs> Okay. I, I just think it's a very interesting sacrifice that they have to make for the good of humanity. And it just like reminds me of some things in literature. Like I tweeted about it, remind, yeah, reminding me of the Amber Spyglass. Now, yeah. spoilers for the Amber Spyglass, which is like a 15 year old book that you should have already read, but it's the last in a trilogy. And basically, two young people are in love and they have to be separated from each other forever in order to basically save humanity. Yeah. That that's you know without getting too much into the metaphysics of it that's that's sort of that that plot and, and it it makes me think of you know El- Eleanor or maybe Chidi in some senses you know almost acting as like a Christ figure for humanity where they're giving up you know everything basically in order yeah. to in order to redeem the whole of humanity assuming that this all works which you have to imagine it will it's quite an assumption. Yeah, I mean, everything is definitely forked up. But there's something, you know, there's something very... There's something interesting about, you know, Eleanor, in some... By some measures, Eleanor was the worst of the four of them, you know, in season one, episode one. You know, Tahani, you know, certainly vainglorious and all that. But fundamentally, you know, she did basically try to do good in her life and you know you could say oh it's for the wrong reasons but like look a lot of what we do is for the wrong reasons and i'll take somebody who does good for the wrong reasons over somebody who does bad for the wrong reasons or or just doesn't care or or try you know what i mean right and jason was pretty benign as these things go he kind of did some petty thievery or whatever but he was basically just a kid a dumb kid kind of trying to make it and Chidi was a good person I think we can all agree so like Eleanor was kind of the worst of them I would say ethically or morally and now you know it's a testament to how far she's come in three seasons and many many reboots that that she is faced with this ultimate sacrifice I mean really the first real not just the first real romantic relationship she's had in her life but the first real 
human relationship she's ever had. I should yeah, say in her existence, true. not in her life, in her existence, right? Yeah. Like, she, her relationship with her parents was terribly dysfunctional. We saw that she had no friends in school. She had no friends in her office. She never had a real romantic relationship. She never said, I love you to anybody except Stone Cold Steve Austin. Yeah. So Chidi is her first actual human connection in her entire existence. And now she has to give it up in order to save humanity. And she doesn't really kick and scream and fight about it. She's sad and a little bit despairing, but she doesn't throw a tantrum. I mean, I can totally see myself basically throwing a tantrum in that situation. Like, oh, 100%. <laughs> yeah. Like, no, 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 there has to be another way. Kicking and screaming and, and, and shouting and shoving people. I'd be doing a lot of shoving people, I feel like. <laughs> but Eleanor, I mean, she fights it for a moment, but then she kind of accepts it and is like, okay. You know, she, all she wants is, you know, to say goodbye properly. But other than that, she, she, she takes it on the chin. Yeah, I mean, we had a similar conversation about Michael when... They, when he made the decision to bring the humans back to Earth and effectively wipe away any of their relationship. And we had a similar... Right, they were his own, except for Janet, they were his only friends. They were his only friends, the only, the only humans he ever really knew, but the only connections he ever had in his life. And he had a very similar interaction or a similar situation where he when he was effectively Sam Malone at the bar talking Aww, to yeah that was ta- so great talking to talking to Eleanor and she had no idea who he was and we had a very similar conversation about basically Michael Oh was, yeah I, I referenced Doctor Who. Yeah yeah yeah. Yeah, Michael <laughs> was This has happened in Doctor Who multiple times. Michael was willing to give up the only relationships he's ever had in his whole existence, basically, um, to see if this not larger... even to save humanity, just to save the four of them, right? To see if this this little experiment would actually work, and you know, I so in that sense, I think it's a really nice kind of bookend because you're upping the stakes, but you are still putting us in mind of of things that you've you know, themes that have been going on for a long time, which is connection. And I think Janet's whole speech at the end was about how, you know, like we, this is a sort of like a a wild and crazy existence that we have. And when you find somebody that you can be with, then that's a beautiful thing, but you know, it can't always last and you should be happy for the time that you do have with that person. Relatedly, because you're talking about Janet and yeah. Janet. Part of Janet's speech is about how he, she had to watch Jason be with Tahani. Right. The real torture for Eleanor is not going to be that Chidi doesn't remember her. The real torture for Eleanor is going to be that Chidi and Simone are going to get together again. Yeah. <laughs> it I'm, just seems inevitable to me. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's going to happen. Because they were vibing like mofos when they were alive. <laughs> and now they are going to... You know, it seemed like in the original iteration, the humans always sniffed each other out somehow. And I can't imagine it's going to be any different this time. Yeah. And Simone and Chidi are going to end up, you know, doing ethics or whatever. And they're going to probably end up in a relationship. And then Eleanor just has to watch from her alleged almighty Ooh. perch as architect. Ooh. She just has to watch them fall in love and be together for like a year at least right that's how long this is supposed to last so that's not great (laughs) especially i mean even if you have at the end like okay we've saved humanity and everybody i was wrong (laughs) it was Arthur all along sorry thank you troy mcclure So let's say that, like, the best of all possible endings, you know, the experiment happens, all the humans get better, Jen says, all humans have the potential for change, and now we're going to put everybody into a medium place where they're going to be forced to basically go through some sort of purgatory, whatever. And it turned out, Michael did take Chidi's memories and put them in a special box, and now Michael says, Chidi, I have something for you, here are all your old memories, and Chidi goes, what am I supposed to do with this? That's a great question. I've been... 
I've been dating Simone for a year, and now it turns out, thank you for these memories, now it turns out that I previously dated Simone, and then we broke up because of an existential crisis, and then I fell in love with Eleanor, but it turns out, actually, before Simone, I was in love with Eleanor, like, 800 times, and now what am I supposed to do? Like, what what does he do with that information at that point? I mean, that's, like, Chidi's worst nightmare. Two women who are perfect for him are both single, available, and wanting to date him. This is the real version of the (laughs) season two torture. Yep. This is the real version of it. Oh, good lord. Yep. Like, there's just no way it ends well. (laughs) There's just no way it ends well. So I have have another question that is related to this that came up when I was reading, because, you know, for the the notes that you don't read, apparently. I'm, like, skimming them now. I I read a lot of you know, reviews and and commentary and stuff. And Vox in their review basically says there is no way the fact that Chidi saw the time knife doesn't come into play when this whole thing is resolved. The guy references the wonky timeline of Jeremy Barramy and his farewell to Eleanor. So the good places writers are already winking at some kind of like wacky timeline stuff. And my, in reading that, I thought to myself like, well, I mean, that's kind of a good point because if he, if they made a point of saying that he has seen every reality kind of like folding in on itself, does he, is he effectively doing like the Doctor Strange <laughs> in Infinity War thing? Remember we had like a whole like um, thing about how he, he sees every reality and he's like, yep. this is the only one we can win. And then we had that whole conversation about like, well, if there's 10 realities where they could win, why does it have to be this one and all? But like, you know, the others were worse. Um, but is he so calm about this? Because he's like, look, I, I kind of know how this is going to work. Or am I... It it doesn't... It seems because... The, and the only reason that I, I think that there might be something there is because in the episode called Chidi Sees the Time Knife, it's not really a plot point other than... He it's, like a, sli- it's a laugh line. It's a laugh line. He slips into it and Michael goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. You saw the time knife, whatever. But it doesn't, you don't, we don't see any other realities. We don't go into any of those things. So is this like, oh, I have to do this in this timeline, but I'm okay with it because, you know, Jeremy Barramy, baby. Like there's some other place where I know we're going to like chill on the eye, the dot of the eye forever. I mean, I didn't. I didn't get from his demeanor that he was unsurprised by Simone's arrival though. No, that's true. He didn't have the he didn't have the the demeanor of someone who was like, "Oh, it's just as I foretold," you know? <laughs> I mean, like yeah. I, I think it's a good catch because it was sort of an odd thing and it's exactly the kind of thing that you might expect to be cut for time although so was that like slug thing on Tahani's shoulder the kind of thing you might expect to be cut for time yeah so i don't know like sure i mean p- keep it keep it in the back of your mind as you yeah. continue to watch that maybe you know maybe he ha- doesn't hasn't seen the one future but maybe he saw a bunch of futures and you know he saw ones where his memory was wiped and he still made it back to Eleanor. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Cause I, I think you're right. I mean, I think she's going to have to like essentially watch him. Like I, I don't, I thought I, I mean, and I say this, like, I th- I feel like I say this every episode, but I thought I kind of could tell where this was going. And now I have no idea. I have no idea yeah. what's going to happen. <laughs> no that's, idea. Yeah. I mean, that's sort of how everything goes around here. We should stop pretending that we have any idea what's ever going to happen. Shakes fist, Megan Amram. I, I'm not sure it's Amram's fault. Did she, she write this up? She did. Yeah, she and Jen. Stuckey. Oh, Amram. <laughs> she she uh. had a great tweet of like wrote this one with the love of my life, Jen Statsky, and it was directed by my protege, Michael Schur. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Amram and the feels. So, so you have something in the notes. I guess this is our last topic because we're we're running a little long in the tooth. But yeah. um, you have something about how a bunch of the critics are sort of not into hashtag Chelinor. Yeah, and they don't to, seem to care. I and mean, to we them don't have I to say, get into it, but to them I say, pa, <laughs> pa on all of you. Yeah, I mean they're kind of like 
I guess if you care about Eleanor and Chidi, then you like this episode. And I liked parts of it, but I don't really care about Eleanor and Chidi. And I'm like, okay, well, I don't know what to do with that. It's very... I mean... The Eleanor Chidi relationship has been central to this show literally from the first episode. Yeah. Now it hasn't always been a romantic relationship. I'll grant you that. Well, that right? was one of their that was one of their points was that you know there were a whole bunch of iterations where they didn't you know eight hundred reboots they didn't get together in all of them but they were friends in some of them so like some of them lasted like five minutes like <laughs> come okay. on but you know like this person was basically like you know if they're meant to be then you know then okay but like there were also some where they didn't get together at all and so i think it's kind of this you know the idea that this show is about like very human relationships but also like these really really high concepts kind of for some of the critics was kind of clashing together a little bit i don't know i find that to be a pretty facile critique like Oh, okay, well, let's just write back to the people at Vulture and <laughs> Look, Vox. they don't have any actual, like, qualifications. They just hire people <laughs> who like TV to write about TV. Emily Nussbaum at New Yorker loves Chelinor. And you that's go. the New Yorker. But, like, you know I'll never read those. <laughs> oh, I still want that. I still want to be locked in a room with the New Yorkers for a week. Anyway. One of the critics Wait, says, let me talk. Uh, so, the, <laughs> this is like when you were going off about foreign policy or something. So, like, uh, you, you could take the same group of people and shake them up and change their circumstances and drop them into a world. And sometimes some of them would fall in love and sometimes they wouldn't, right? Like, you could yeah. take the most romantic, great love stories of, of real human existence, you could tweak a few variables and they wouldn't have happened. Like, this is just, it's just normal. That's expected. Like, to say, like, well, in some of the iterations, they didn't get together. It's like, yeah, I mean, pretty sure in some version of Earth, like, Queen Victoria and Prince Albert didn't get together. But, like... It doesn't mean it wasn't a great love story. Like, it, it, that no, just, I don't. I don't think that's it, not well, an argument. Yeah, one of the critics basically says, "I want their relationship to work for reasons that have more to do with the show's central theme rather than like I think they're a great couple, right? Like, you want their relationship to work because it means that like it means something bigger because you're you're they're putting they're basically like this episode basically says puts a lot on the relationship between these two and this is something that we've talked about too we talked about it in the episode where you know their love basically like fixes janet's void it's like oh their their love is supposed to be like a universe defining love and i think that's you know that's that'll work for some people and for other people i think maybe or well. maybe or maybe unless unless <laughs> he said maybe... it i have to say it unless <laughs> maybe i mean if we take janet's speech about how you know you find somebody in the pandemonium or whatever maybe the point is like every human love is a universe defining love oh i like that thank you i, I really just came like up that. with it <laughs> no that makes me because really... honestly like when i was watching this and i was listening to you know that sort of last scene between um janet and eleanor like i'm like you know, this is something that we all can relate to, whether or not we've ever had to, like, welcome our mind-wiped ex, you know, love of our lives, boyfriend ex into, like, the afterlife. Probably not. But it's all, it's something that I think we can all relate to if we've ever had to say goodbye to somebody. You know? You end a relationship or somebody passes away or something like that. So, yeah, I, I, I like that idea. There's an Anais Nin quote that I've known since I was fairly young and has always sort of resonated with me, which is that each friend represents a world in us, a world possibly not born until they arrive. And it is only by this meeting that a new world is born. And, you know, that that's, that's a, that's a statement about how almost the most banal of things in human existence, which is just a, a, a a relationship between two people, you know, an intimate, not necessarily sexually intimate, but just intimate, an intimate relationship between two people is like the birth of a new world. 
you know, any two people, they can just be the most boring people. And I think that that's fundamentally true, that maybe the only thing that matters in life is the relationships that we forge between ourselves as a species. You know, I, I, someone, I have been asked on occasion, sort of like, what is my life philosophy or what are the words I try to live by or whatever. And so, so if I have any life philosophy at all, it's the Emily Dickinson poem that goes, if I can stop one heart from breaking, I shall not live in vain. If I can ease one life, the aching or cool one pain or help one fainting Robin into his nest again, I shall not live in vain. Like that, that, just like the smallest of connections between individuals is the only meaning that life has. And obviously, you know, it's been clear on this podcast, right, that I'm an atheist, so I don't believe in things like trying to, you know, that the meaning of life is exalting a higher power or something. So, you know, in my opinion, the only meaning of life is the connection between humans. So I'm totally fine with saying the love between Eleanor and Chidi is just a normal love between yeah. two beautiful people <laughs> who have gone through a lot together. Like, you know, like Sandra Bullock and Keanu Reeves. <laughs> but just, you know, the sort of, you know, they, they've, they've been through the crucible together. Yeah. And they fell in love and that's like i think it's a pretty relatable thing in human experience and it's not that they are so forking special and it's not that their love is somehow out of the ordinary it's just like this ordinary human love is going to be the thing that saves us yeah there's a great the neil gaiman book stardust oh such a good book and a good good movie and a good movie i love that movie um that movie has a lot of and and the book actually they both have a lot of personal significance for me. Yeah. And she's a star, the the main, main woman in the book. She's a star that has basically crash landed on earth and become a woman cuz why not? It's Neil Gaiman. <laughs> and you know, she basically has this has this speech at one point about how she's watched earth for millennia basically cuz she's a star. And you know, sometimes it made it, they, human beings made it really hard to look down on earth because of all the wars and all of the, you know, terrible things we can do to each other. But she basically says to see the way that mankind loves, like that's what made your earth worth watching. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's, you know, these are celestial beings of, of one kind or another, like sort of. Talk about Janet. Yeah, Janet and and Michael and and even Jen and Sean, maybe if, if you know, if he's not totally horrible all the time, you know, learning what it is to be human is is to learn how to love. And that's, you know, what Stardust is about, too. Um, So I could I can buy that, that like, you know, the thing that makes human beings special and and worth all this trouble is that we, we love each other. We can. We have the capacity to. I think that's a good note to end on. Yeah, I think so too. I want to do Death Month next. <laughs> okay. Uh, I will tweet out what exactly we're doing, but I want to do that Robert Downey Jr. movie. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> no, you will enjoy it. And uh, <laughs> Defending Your Life with Albert Brooks. And if anyone has any um, requests, they should throw that in. Ghost? Um, I have it. Go- oh, I've never seen Ghost. What? <laughs> Wait, have we had this exact conversation before? I think we have. I don't remember having this conversation before. I like that that song, Unchained Melody. I don't know. I've never seen it. can't believe you've never seen Ghost. <laughs> okay, then we'll do Ghost! Okay, great! Swayze <laughs> is so fine in that movie. Good. He's also he's also dead, so... In the movie... Oh, and in real life. That's, that's sad. So we do have an email from Trifton. Okay. And he says, well, so he gets really upset about Simone being dead, which we've covered. I am too! Okay, Tripton, <laughs> I am too. I call for a special investigation of Simone's death. Yes, Robert Mueller, it. we're going to need <laughs> your talents. Okay, so. Oh my god, are you, are you listening to Bagman? 
No. Holy moly, you gotta listen anyway. I have so I have nine gigabytes of unlistened to podcasts on my phone. I cannot create a more more of a podcast debt for myself. I can't. All right, so, I'll sum it up for you later. <laughs> I did listen to her interview with Chris Hayes on the Chris Hayes podcast. Anyway. Okay. So he says, Tahani might be kind of a counterpoint to the what if post-scarcity thing. She didn't want for anything and still wasn't a particularly great person. So true. Obviously, that is correct. Yeah. Uh, Tahani was, well, she, she was wealthy. I mean, it's hard to know what exactly happened to her financial situation after her parents died. Because there was some trouble with the with the will. They but spelled let's just, her name with Tahini. Yes. Let's just operate under the assumption, though, that she's she's still very wealthy. There is... And I'm not telling Trifton anything he doesn't know. But even if you are very financially secure in a, a capitalist system, there is still the constant grasping to retain your position, right? There, There's very little... I have this money and now I am just content and I'm not worried about losing it, right? I mean, this is the reason that a lot of people who are wealthy sink an awful lot of money into electoral politics with the sole intention of, let me make sure that I keep every dime that I have, right? So so I, I, yeah. I think you can be you can be tainted by the sort of grasping nature of existence of reality even when you are not living hand to mouth and the other thing i'll I'll, i agree with you and the other thing i'll add to that is that scarcity in in the way that uh they were talking about it in the chidi sees the time knife episode is yes obviously it's about money but it's also about you know how we treat each other and relationships you know she brings up sexism and racism and so you know Tahani's family is very wealthy but you know they're not white and so that could potentially mean something in in some societies but also I would say that she definitely grew up with a scarcity of love and affection yes and that I think the the post scarcity mindset of or or, or, I'm sorry like coming into a, a, a situation where you don't have to deal with any of these really fraught relationships. Like, she never has to, you know, once she is dies and is in the what she believes is the good place neighborhood, she's not worried about, you know, living up to her parents' ideals anymore. She's not... And it's worth of, examining, like, why her parents were so hard on them to begin with. And, and I would trace it back to they are anxious you know in a psychological sense they are anxious about social status they are anxious about social capital they're not randomly abusive to these girls they are single-mindedly focused on they have to be at the top of this social hierarchy right and that is obviously you know a very sort of capitalist or scarcity driven mindset and also maybe sexist too, because if the idea was, well, they have to marry somebody. Oh, you know, maybe like Larry Hemsworth. Like Larry Hemsworth, you know, maybe there's there's something to that as well. But I think scarcity can can come in a whole bunch of different forms, not just financially. So, yes, you know. Okay, I think that's it for this sad and anguished episode. God, what are we gonna do for like eight months? <laughs> The next month is death month. (laughs) It's going to be great. Get ready for death month. After that. After that, I don't know. After that, it'll be my death month because I will. (laughs) All right. Roll myself into a river. Okay. Until next week. (laughs) (laughs) Jeremy, bear me, baby. Uh, We will see you pretty soon. Ding dong. Knock, knock, knocking on heaven's door. Uh, wait, was that Troy McClure? No, it was a different Hartman character. Yeah. Dang it! <laughs>
was the one who marries Selma. Brianna! It was Troy McClure, wasn't it? Was it Troy McClure? Okay. I'm gonna look, I'll look it up when I you think talk. It, maybe it was. <laughs> um, 